Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. An official broadcast partner of the University of Louisville, WLCL Sellersburg is 93.9 The Ville. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by the Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock here. On a Tuesday, hope you are dry uh, and warm wherever you are because it is gross uh, outside. Although I did see, Luke, uh, the uh, Howard Franklin Bridge was like in Tampa over at Tampa Bay. Uh, the wind blowing waves like up over the bridge. Uh uh-uh, oh man. There's all these cars just driving on. I'm like, not a chance. This is like a movie. I'm not doing that stuff. Wait, that doesn't phase Florida people enough not to take that bridge? It, it, would, it, would, it would work for me. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, that's like when you go to <laughs> My Tampa, brother drove across it today. I was like, what are you doing? Absolutely not. <laughs> Going to Tampa or St. Pete, that, that bridge when it's nice out, it's like, ah, oh, we've made it. Yeah. But it also sounds like a horror movie <laughs> if, if waves are, like, splashing your car from the ocean. Absolutely not. Oh, no chance. It's, it's nuts. Uh, so be careful uh, wherever you are here. But we are uh, here safe and dry ourselves on a Tuesday. Uh, we will – we got a lot of basketball to talk about. we got a lot of football. Uh, to talk about uh, in a little bit more of a hypothetical sense, uh, at least, uh, with the regular season for college football, with the season being over now uh, for college football. So we'll start there uh, last night, Luke. Unfortunately, this is so often the case, but we get to a, uh, a championship game that you build to all season, and this happens in the playoff year. This happens in the NFL playoffs all the time, but a – a game that could have been so much more dramatic than it turned out to be kind of thudded at the very end uh, with, with Michigan dominating. And really, uh, I guess what I hate about it is that it's, it's very anticlimactic. Michigan was just kind of the best team all year. <laughs> and, and we just, we, I think we waited for other candidates. Uh, and maybe and some of you out there have rooted against them just because of either Harbaugh is not likable or the whole uh, Connor Stallions thing or what have you. But got to the end, it was just like, oh, I guess that really is kind of how it was all year, wasn't it? Yeah. That's how it felt to me. Yeah, you know, I, I'm at least so grateful that the, the, I guess the final four games were so good. True. The start of the game last night, I was so fired up. I mean, when Edwards, the way he ran the ball early and to get those breakaway runs and then even Quorum, his first run went for a bunch, I think 50-plus yards. I was like, this thing is going to be fun. And then Michael Penix Jr. is going to have to start slinging it around a little bit. And this is going to just get better and better. And then it was like the defense just picked up on both sides to stall the offense completely. And even when you saw a little bit of life, those plays that you think the best teams in the country are going to make, those those clutch catches, those plays where you need to pick up a first down, they just, you know, shouldn't ate that popcorn butterfingers dropping passes in the clutch yeah. moments. It's like neither team could get any momentum after that. And you're right. It was like Michigan, they seemed so much better in the trenches. And we talked about this last week. Once you have the lead, once Edwards had those two touchdown runs, it was like, how is it possible if those guys could control the game like that and Michael Penix isn't able to just get out there and, and start taking the top off the defense? How is it possible they can come back? I agree with you. It was kind of anticlimactic. You know, you're watching the second half of that game and you're hoping that there's a little run there. Um, but I saw, I heard all the sharp money was on Michigan in the under. Yeah, that line was really, really sinking at the end. 
I don't know how it was up to like watching the game and how it played out. It's like, how was the over under at 58 or 58 and a half to start that game? Um, and again, it, at the very beginning, I thought we were going to have a shootout. Um, you know, I, I thought if Michigan is able to score points this quickly and it puts the pressure on Washington, they're going to start to loosen up a little bit and take more chances. And this thing is going to be awesome. And like I said, it was, it was a big high early and then just kind of plateaued to, eh, nice. Michigan. Yeah, won. it didn't get Georgia TCU out of hand, you know, because I think Washington was a worthy opponent there and really made it competitive throughout the second and third quarters. But all that does is set the stage for the fourth quarter in which Michigan just bullied them. There's really no other word for it uh, than that. Uh, and, I, again, I think Washington deserves – like they, they deserve to be there. I give them their credit for not folding right away and not letting it be TCU Georgia because I think I'm always worried about that. Did you see my tweet? Yeah, absolutely. How many people – I got to know. I know you got the text line today on your computer here, but how many people sent the it's over text after that second touchdown? I mean, I, I got I, about three or four of them. Is I was worried. I, I got a couple of them myself. Like, oh boy, here we go. You know, and, and that's such a disappointment, right? Because everything's on the line. Like, God, it's already over. It's only nine fifteen, or what? You know, like nobody At least wants. I get to, to bed early. Kind yeah, of. I guess. Right. That's not what. But that's not what I want. No. I want to be tired tomorrow because I watched a great game. Right. And, and we, we didn't get that. No. Uh, and I, I think in a way that we used to not like about Alabama where it felt like, well, this was inevitable and kind of made it all a waste. I did feel a little of that at the very end, like, oh, God, I guess. But it was new, and it was different. So I wasn't nearly as sort of put out by it as maybe we have been in the past. It really is true. Look, Michigan was like this every snap of every game all year. And how often do we ever really get to say that? Yes, yeah, wire to wire like that. I mean, Alabama's teams, and there have been years where they've showed that kind of dominance, but I don't know. I'm, I've just been so, it's like been beaten into my brain, fade the Big Ten. Yeah. So maybe same. that was what I was thinking, but I wonder, like, across the country, and I, you see all these little gifts, like the whole world's rooting for Washington except the state of Michigan. But to me, it's this is like full circle. This is weird to say, but it kind of giving a middle finger to the NCAA, I was, I was hoping Michigan won. Is that, is that terrible? How about that turn of events that I am the one hoping Michigan wins to give the NCAA the finger? I mean, I was happy it played out the way it did. So that made you want positively want them to win, or at least like that was an upside of them winning for you, at least? You know, I think Washington is kind of cool. I, the Pac-12 dying uh, has a different dynamic to it, and, and – uh, I also, I didn't get to watch Washington quite as much. You know, Will Stein had me locked in on Oregon, so I watched the Oregon-Washington game pretty close uh, the, the second time. And, and then obviously watched the college football playoff games. And the way he throws a spiral, man, is just, it looks different coming out of his hands. So I, was, I wanted him to play well, but I, I do think I was rooting for Michigan um, to win the game. And uh, Harbaugh and all the drama and all the stuff that goes into it, the way he walked off and was like, we need to just cut off 10% for the players. All these guys are making all this money, even 10% of my salary, which it's going to be different next year. I would presume that he's going to go to the NFL and he's going to probably put somebody who comes in behind him in a little bit of a bind there with those comments. They'll at least have to make a remark on those, right? Do you want a 10% reduction in your salary as you come in to be the, the next Michigan coach? Uh, but you know, I thought Michigan was a lot of fun to watch. I thought they were dominant in the trenches. Uh, yeah, I was rooting for them to win. Texture says, that was your problem, Luke. Washington is Big Ten, too. Not yet. Exactly. Yeah. Not I know yet. where it's going. This Correct. is this is the uh, the exit for the Pac-12. It would have been kind of – it would have been nice for them to be able to win a championship as, as the doors are closing on that. That's a historic conference, obviously. And only historic now. That's true. All right. Yeah. I did it. have the thought – you know, I, I didn't like what happened to Florida State, uh, even though they're not the least bit sympathetic. I still was. You know, I, I just I didn't like that. But I, I will say with with as much conviction as I can, they weren't winning this thing either. And in a weird way, I think Michigan made the number four team argument moot. It would not have mattered who played them. They were losing. In fact, I think the team that would have given Michigan the biggest trouble is Georgia, yeah. who didn't That's even what make saying. it. <laughs> That's but what Florida State makes the playoff, they're getting killed by this Michigan team. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Watching the championship game, I felt like, you know, maybe these guys aren't that much better than Florida State. I mean, you wouldn't have said that with 
Jordan Travis. No, I watching think, that. I think if Michigan game. played like full strength Florida State with Jordan Travis, it's probably a lot like the Alabama game. Yeah, I can see that. Um, They're not winning though. I would not pick Florida State to win that game either. I think Michigan was the best team in the country. I think so too. Uh, which is how it's supposed to play out. And I know, you know, all the experts said that these these guys got it right, that the college football playoffs had the four best teams. And I'm still not totally convinced because I'm with you. I think Georgia was one of the best teams in the country um, all year. You know, yeah. they they lose to Bama and that's it. They should be in the conversation, certainly. But, um, you know, I think this this championship game was interesting. It wasn't as as high quality. It wasn't as high level as those those first games. Yeah, I agree. In and the we, and it's usually ball. not like that. We we get a lot of blowouts in the quarterfinals right. or the semifinals. Excuse me. Absolutely, all the time. Um, which is interesting because you have all the prep leading up to the the semifinal games. Yeah, I would think with with you know a month to prepare, those games would be the really tight ones. But you're right. It, it's usually not that. The narrative around like you got to have great quarterback play. I think they kind of stomped on that with that championship game. I mean, I'm looking at stats right now, and J.J. McCarthy delivered the game-winning play against Alabama and was awesome. But he was 10 for 18 for 140 yards and a eh, sandwich out there. <laughs> and then Michael Penix Jr. was – first of all, he threw the ball 51 yeah. times. 27 for 51, uh, 255 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions, the one late you know, didn't mean anything, I guess, at that point. They were they were grasping at straws, but just not as high quality. Uh, one of the exciting shootouts uh, in the night and in the college football season, but it wasn't quite there. And I do agree with you that Michigan was the best team, and I think if Michigan played Florida State that they win. But the championship game, it, it had me kind of like, ah, well, maybe, you know, that's the reason why we played the game, right? Florida State was there. They could have had a chance, and I do think they were deserving. I think, you know, the conversation was more around Texas – should they have been there or should Florida State have been there, in my eyes? Either way, uh, Michigan, I think, uh, un deservedly uh, the national champion. That stretch of games at the end for them, they did, look, they did not test themselves in the non-conference intentionally because they knew about Harbaugh and the suspension. Uh, but at the end of the season, they ended their season with games against Penn State, Maryland, yeah, Ohio State, Iowa, Alabama, Washington. Some of them at home, some of them on the road, two of them on neutral, uh, three of them on neutral sites. Yep. Like it, it, there's not a more uh, validating road any team could have gone uh, and played on than that one. And they, we're talking about 10 win Penn State, 10 win, 11 win Ohio State, 10 win Iowa, 11 or 12 win Alabama, 12 and 1 Alabama, and then an undefeated Washington team. Like it, it's, there's, there just is nothing to say about a team that could win that way. I just think it was kind of fascinating to see that Alabama kind of gave up on this kind of team and embraced offense after what was happening in the SEC and Hugh Freeze and all that. And you had that period of time with Tua and, and Mac Jones and all those guys where they were just lighting it up, mm -hmm. only to have Michigan build 2010 Alabama <laughs> and J.J. McElroy, so to speak, you know, leads them to a national championship the way Alabama was doing it a decade ago. I really would love to know what Nick Saban thinks about Michigan being able to win a championship the way he kind of used to. Yeah, it's not quite Nick Saban's murder ball. That's an old Mark Ennis line right there, isn't it? I, know it. I think um, you're right about the stretch of games at the end of the season and, and just how it unfolded, the confidence you took away from a win like at Penn State. I remember seeing Desmond Howard after, and he was like giddy. He was like dancing yeah. up there. Uh, with the way they were able to win that game. And Blake Corum with the kind of blood streaming down his face in the post game. Um, I, that's when I was like, okay, these guys might be able to win it all. Um, and you're right, that they weren't really tested, you know, at least not to the level you would in an SEC schedule before that. And, and you know that Ohio State is that last game. But getting them at home made me feel even more confident with Michigan. Um, I don't know if I would say J.J. McCarthy's that level, I think he's a little above that. I liked hearing about his preparation and just the mental approach to the game. Um, you know, going out there with no shoes on and grounding yourself and uh, having a meditation moment. And when you're playing a game that's it's not a it's not a contact sport, it's a collision sport. That mental side, especially at his position, um, visualizing hanging up, you know, holding the trophy up and stuff like that. I just thought that was all really impactful stuff. And I think winning a national championship now, it'll be interesting to see how much you see stuff like that 
moving forward. People trying to replicate it? Yeah. Well, I mean, now you, you're already seeing mental health coaches join sure. teams, college basketball, football, it doesn't matter. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, you know, Jim Laranega was the guy. Well, I've talked to you about this over the years here, about him being ahead of his time with visualization and performance coaches, um, you know, seeing success before it happens and, and just being able to put yourself out there in that moment instead of like, you know, football players are known, especially on the defensive side of just like they're they're crazy. They're 110 miles an hour. They're just going to run through that wall and then figure out, you know, was I supposed to go through that one or the other one mm-hmm. after the fact, right? But his his approach, I just really liked it. I appreciated the way, you know, J.J. McCarthy approached it. I thought that was interesting. You think you, you see a lot more of that kind of stuff? Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I saw Joel Klatt uh, say earlier, I think earlier today, uh, that this should be hope-giving to college football that Michigan was basically able to build a team its own way. And it wasn't the same Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, somebody else uh, that was able to do it. I do think that there's some, there's some reason to feel good about like another team breaking up kind of the hegemony of like the same four or five teams. I I totally agree with that. Giving Ohio state uh, legit competition in the big 10. Good. It's good for everybody. I think it would be, and I think you agree with me, this is almost assuredly what's going to happen. I would now be pretty bummed if Harbaugh leaves. Because like we, I worry about the, the coaching kind of brain drain in basketball is already, we already see some of that, I think, in college basketball. But in college football. What do you mean by that? So, I mean, Jim Beheim gone, Coach K gone, Roy Williams gone. Like these names, these the big names. Absolute breakdown of Tom Izzo lately. Right, all that sort of thing. And college football, like, this is better. I don't like Michigan. I don't root for them, and I think Harbaugh's kind of a weirdo. But he's great for the game. He is great for the game. And and I'm, I would imagine it feels pretty damn good to stick with a certain vision of things and just ride out the challenges. I mean, think about those first couple of years there where you're like, they can't beat Ohio State. They don't beat anybody good. I mean, they're dropping the snap on the punt, you know, against Michigan State and all that. Like, that seems like 100 years ago. I think it, it, feel, it feels like yesterday, actually, to me, that we were talking about Jim Harbaugh not being able to win the big game, not being able to beat Ohio State, not being able to beat Penn State, and still winning, you know, 10 games a year. Still being really successful, but that's not what it's about, right? You got to go win a national championship. You got to go play for the big game. And it was like he was so close for so many years and then finally gets over the hump. And now to have gotten over the hump, it's, it is that question of, is this something that you want to just keep this legacy rolling or does he turn around and say, I don't deal with the NCAA anymore. I'm moving along and whatever punishment happens, you know, good luck to Michigan. What do you think happens? I think he'll go to the NFL. Uh, I just think he's a driven guy. I think he'll, I think he feels like he, my work here is done. And I don't think he wants the hassle of any of this stuff. You think his brother's pushing him a little bit too? Like that's a cute little, College football trophy you got there. Man, it's, okay, so they showed his brother kind of surprise him on the sideline. I thought that was really kind of adorable. Yeah, that was great. Uh, that was a good, uh, great Tom moment. I would love Well, I was going to I was gonna say, like, could you imagine how lame, like, if you're Tom Crean, you got to go to, like, Thanksgiving. And here, like, both of these guys have been in the Super Bowl. And now Jim Harbaugh has coached in the Super Bowl and – been to the college football playoff three times and won a national championship and gone undefeated and beat out beat big bad Alabama at in, at you know in the process. Yeah. Uh, and you'd be like, I work at ESPN. If you're Tom Green, you know? <laughs> if I'm, I went to the uh, Final Four, with Dwayne Wade. Yeah. If I'm dad, I'm putting Crean in the middle of those two, <laughs> just for the theatrics of it all. You know, I, who's got it better than us? Tom Green's like, well, these guys got it better than me. <laughs> Along the same lines, Do, you know, I feel like when we talk about the great coaches in college or the pros, we don't say Jim Harbaugh, and he, he might be the only one that's really great at both. Do we, are we going to talk about Jim Harbaugh now in that, when the we talk about Nick Saban one and Kurt? great at both? College and pro. I mean, you got to put Pete Carroll in there. That's right. That's right. But I, you, you just get to another level when you win a national championship. You know, it's especially it, like that. Oh, yeah. That dominant. And like we've, we've said, it, I don't know how many times this show already, like felt like they were the best team all year. 
And so you win like that, you show that kind of dominance. And then depending on how this plays out, like if you leave on top, I already accomplished that. You know, it took me a couple of years, but yeah, it's not that tough to win a championship in college. I'm going to go try my hand at the NFL or again at the NFL, you know. Yeah, that narrative is going to be tough to get away from. That he's going to be how, how great could he have been if he got to stick around at Michigan? That'll be a big question. I feel like I'm with you. I I do think, you know, the looming NCAA penalties, the um, just dealing with that. I mean, coaches nonstop are just going to be like, especially in his case, because Michigan, they feel like they did nothing wrong, right? It's like everybody steals signs. How many times have we heard that from someone in the Michigan camp, whether it's Desmond Howard or like these guys are basically like, no, this stuff happens all the time. It's part of scouting. It's part of, you know, doing your due diligence on the other team. Now, the way they did it above and beyond cheating, of course, but I don't know if Michigan feels that way. And I don't think he's going to. Oh, I know they don't feel that way. Right, right. (laughs) I don't know if he's going to sit there and say, yeah, just punish me. I'll take another suspension. Or, you know, what if they start saying, hey, we're going to take the banner down. We're going to take that championship. Well, that's. I hate having that conversation with you, as I'm sure you can understand. But the. I mean, I made the joke like Michigan fans, I hope you enjoyed the arguments you got from Louisville fans back in 2013 or whenever it was, 2016 and forward or whenever the hell that was. Like, you're about to start making them all. It, do you think the NCAA has the – Mine's been the same, too. I just got to in- interject there. Like, my whole thought on all of it has been the same. Like, you cheat on the court or you cheat on the field and you give your team an unfair advantage, Yeah. then you should take banners down. You should take championships away. If it's – You didn't win. Yeah. Right. If, if, it's, if it's something totally different and, it you know, somebody got an extra benefit – after they were already enrolled in every like that's totally different in my eyes. So it will be interesting to, you know, continue to hear from from Michigan fans and then what the NCAA decides to do and how much power they have here, right? Because, you know, the whole thing with the college football playoffs is they, they took that out of the hands of the NCAA championship is a men's basketball or a basketball championship, men's and women's. But with football it's totally different. Yeah. They don't the NCAA doesn't crown a champion in football. Right. So, I mean, taking it away, is that even going to mean anywhere near the same things? I don't know. And in a weird way, like, I know that for you all, one of the points of emphasis has always been, like, it didn't help them win anything. Like, it may have been rules-breaking, but it didn't help you win absolutely anything. In Michigan's case, I don't know that they're going to ever show that players had any involvement in this. Can you take a title away that the players didn't do anything wrong either? Again, did they get an unfair advantage on the field? And, you know, having guys dress up and go incognito to go steal signs on sidelines is above and beyond. I mean, it's sure. it's going to be interesting how they deal with this whole thing. I mean, you have an opinion on that? Like, do they, do they take it away? Well, they don't. I think they'll vacate a bunch of this stuff. A bunch of this stuff? Answer the yeah. question, Marty. They take the championship down. I don't know if they're going to be able to show it stretches past when they fired him you know like i don't know what they're going to be able to prove at that point especially if hardball goes on to the nfl you forget about nobody's talking just whatever you think you've got you've got but i don't know what if they'll be able to prove past was it three or four weeks left in the season you know when they and don't forget by the way michigan also fired his his linebackers coach yeah but that's it's, it's not just the college football playoff games right it's your body of work so if you got an advantage in one game now, whether they beat them by 50 or not, you know, that, that one game could have been, you know, an early 40-point win against Nebraska, you know, but it still potentially helped them win games, which propelled them to be in that position. I will say, if the NCAA uh, declines to vacate any of this, then U of L should just freaking hang the banners back up. I think they should do it anyway. Well, sure, it's but I'm like, like, this is the ultimate down. one, though, because this is – because don't forget, like, when they sus- – they, they also suspended Jim Harbaugh. Like, right. the Big Ten, right? It was the Big Ten that did it. The Big Ten did and said, at least in part, we cooperated with the NCAA. Like, this was done in tandem with them, and they gave us they, – they basically, like, previewed what they had already. Right. Uh, so, you know there's something. Or they wouldn't have given them anything. Right. They would have fought it. So – if, the, if they're willing to look at that and be like, nah, it doesn't make that big of a difference, then everyone should put their banners back up. you got to imagine that enforcement committee, whoever was like part of the decision to say, you know, all right, we're going to give them 
a number of games as a suspension and not through the rest of the season or something like that, they were hoping so bad that Michigan found a way to lose. Oh, solve our the solve this problem for us. Yes, a million percent. A million. Yes, percent. I wouldn't be surprised though, Luke. Like just broadly speaking, as we're every day getting just a little bit closer to the things Harbaugh was talking about. This just being a far more like uh, above board, honest about money, you know that that sort of thing. If there isn't going to be just sort of a blanket reset on previous things that were um, benefits based. Like, what's the point in trying to maintain that record if we don't live that way anymore? And, and you go back, Reggie Bush, yeah, he got a Heisman. 2004 championship, yeah, they got it. All that stuff. Thinking about that whole situation and then thinking about the treatment Caleb Williams gets, you know, I saw a picture of him in his high rise in L.A. overlooking the city with the sunset coming down. I mean, that, that place looked like it was probably, you know, $30,000 a month rent, right? And he's just living this incredibly lavish lifestyle. And Reggie Bush, you know, yes, takes some money, pays it back, does the things he thought he needed to do to, like, square it away. Yes, he did some wrong, but to think they take his Heisman away for that is just – I mean, when is the NCAA going to kind of wake up on these things and say, okay, that doesn't make sense. The, the punishment doesn't fit the crime, especially thinking about how things are now, you know, time to, time to rescind this. When are they going to wake up and just the, – the, the issue with the NCAA in so many areas is that they're just not proactive about anything. No, they, 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 they get, get drugged to everything they have to do. Yes, they wait until somebody takes them to court and they fight it as long as they can, realize, okay, well, these people aren't going to stop. And we can't fight every lawsuit forever. And then they cave. Texture says if KP goes rogue and puts the banners back up, does he get year three? I hope so. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to listen. <laughs> yes. Bring, I'll start the campaign. Bring yeah, it back. I hear you. I hear you on that. You, you, it, that would be more popular than people realize. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, this, hey, we might have something to run on here. If he wants to turn, you know, flip the script, turn, well, dude, turn this around a little bit. How 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 <laughs> How awkward would that be if he comes up at the next press conference? He's like, guys, before we get before we get into Miami or whatever, he's like, I just want to – I've been thinking about this. <laughs> the reason I've been so occupied. People would be so torn, right? Like, what would Blankenbaker do, right? Because, like, he's fired Kenny for a year and a half already, basically, right? He hates him and wants him out of here yesterday. I would turn into Jerry, the like, biggest <laughs> Kenny Payne fan of all time. I already love the guy. He's in the circle, but – I'm telling you. I would turn into Jerry's <laughs> in the first segment. I'm sure. That's uh, how it takes I'm it. sure the text line will love that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, extend that man. <laughs> that would be, but he's pulling out all the stops. <laughs> God, that's funny. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break uh, here. We'll come back here. Uh, we would all like to see Louisville in the college football playoff. It will be a 12-team college football playoff going forward. Uh, and people seem to think Louisville might be pretty good again next year. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, on the football side. Also, Jeff Walls, uh, who is no uh, stranger to postseason success like we're talking about, going to drop in with us again here at 4.30. So we'll talk uh, with him uh, as well. We'll take your calls and your texts throughout here on The Drive on Nathanville. Be right back. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Welcome back to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into The Drive here 
on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock. We can go ahead and open up the phone lines if you want to jump in here. 8150-939. That's the number if you'd like to get in here. 3831-939 for the UPS Jobs text line. Did you happen to see a very tan Tom Crean with the Michigan folks there? I, I, I say this as somebody who makes plenty of jokes at my own face. Uh, and about my own face, does Crean have like the funniest face in sports? Not ugliest or anything, but just like there's something about it where he's always making a face. Yeah, I would say when I saw him on the sidelines, you know, resting Mark face is what I was thinking. You know, I was I, sitting over there. I'm thinking he's just got to be thinking about Thanksgiving. He's got to be thinking about holidays. And with the Harbaugh brothers just sitting there. Do you think he's sitting there? He's like, oh, like he's rooting like, for Tom, Washington. Like, Tom, where's your Sweet 16 ring? <laughs> I mean, if you're the Harbaugh brothers. Like Remember you when just, you cut the nets down after oh, a loss? Oh, you'd be killing it. <laughs> they did. Remember that? They lost uh, but won the Big Ten because of somebody else lost, and they cut the nets down after a loss. Absolutely. <laughs> I made fun of Derek Elson nonstop about that. Um, yeah, I mean – First of all, I did get to spend a little time with Tom Crean earlier this year uh, up at ESPN. He was very nice. He was fun to talk to. He's a basketball guy, watches everything. Um, he was fun. He was a lot of fun. You don't really get that kind of personal interaction just seeing these guys on TV and in interviews and stuff like that. So I try not to rag on him too bad. And that the situation's just funny because he joined a family of guys that are absolutely killing it. Um, but it is funny to think about, like, there are levels to this, and you're going to be a step below forever with Mr. Tom Crean. And he is always very tan. I mean, I guess, you know, if you're working the weekends in college basketball, you can go hit Florida, hit Miami. He's, he's made a lot of money over there at Indiana. So maybe that's his thing. Like, if somebody told me, man, you're too tan, I'd be like, well, I take my private plane to Miami every week. What do you want from me? It's like, that's even possible. Right back on you. Too tan. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too orange, yes. Too tan, no. Texture says, Tom Green looks like the guy that received a nuclear wedgie from his brothers-in-law at every family outing. And then Jim Harbaugh would hang him up by his underwear and hook on the hallway. No question. No question. Don't you think that, that the Harbaugh brothers, when they see him, they're like, basketball. Oh, my goodness, yes. Right. Ba oh, Tom – oh, I mean, he coaches basketball, but it is coaching. Yeah. <laughs> it's sports. It's still sports. Right. They keep score. They keep score. They have jerseys. Yeah. Oh, I totally could see that. Oh, without without a doubt, you know, um, especially when you have the NFL pedigree, yeah. it's like the, even the even having success at the college football level. If there's NFL versus college football, it is such a wide margin in terms of you know how much attention, viewership, how big of a deal it is between the NFL and everybody else. That's Trump, and they now the, both the Harbaugh brothers have that. So I I will fully admit. I picked Washington, and I wanted Washington to win, and it had nothing to do with anything anything about that team or Michigan. But something I talked about with Biscuit a little bit yesterday, I was rooting for them because of the four playoff teams. I felt like they were the kind of team that Louisville could most easily be, right? Like, like it's it's always going to be damn near impossible for Louisville to build a team that's got defensive tackles that you can't block, like Michigan had, you know that that sort of thing. They just is that's where the elites live, and Washington was kind of coming in around that. They didn't have any five star players on their roster. They haven't had any top ten recruiting classes, you know. But they strategically still very skilled. Use the transfer portal too, and I felt like if they win. That would be really invigorating for everybody who thinks they can sort of come at it sideways like Washington did. Right. Uh, and, of course, they weren't able to. But they got them, for crying out loud, they're down by a seven at halftime in the National Championship game. It's not like they didn't belong uh, there. But I was rooting for them. Uh, does that like does that make sense? Because I feel like Louisville could be what Washington was this year without changing a lot. I agree, and I think you're you're even more likely to hit that scenario with the expanded playoffs. You know, to you're giving so you're giving everybody hope. If you've been in the top twenty five in the last few years, you have hope that hey, we're going to put it together this year, we're going to make a run, and we're going to be right there. Um, and then even like you think about Florida State, the narrative changes next year. Nobody is going to care about whoever finishes thirteen 
as they at near as much, even in the same ballpark as much as they do about who finishes fifth and who gets left out, especially yeah. with the way it played out this year being undefeated. So I, I agree with you. Um, I would have thought that a team that, that kind of overcame the odds to have the five stars would need like a Lamar Jackson. We need somebody that prolific. And it would be, you know, don't get me wrong. Michael Penix Jr. was great all year long. Um, the way he throws a football, like, you know, he is unbelievably talented, especially getting to kind of dive in. Like I said, not watching all that much Pac-12 football, but seeing him in the Oregon game um, and then in the college football playoffs, he was awesome. I thought for them to overcome, it would have been, you know, that plus the running ability like Lamar had, and it would just be like, this guy is the best player on the field, and there's no one even close. It didn't have to happen quite like that. Like, yeah. the offensive line for Washington was unbelievable. They were really, really good. Penix was great. They had unbelievable receivers. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it, it really came down to they, they weren't ready at the start of the game, either game plan-wise or just in the trenches to be able to – you know, the, what they said was Michigan dominated with their offensive line, and you knew that because the first point of contact was so far downfield. Yeah. And so, like, that's kind of how I figured Michigan would win the game, dominating in the trenches. But I figured, you know, the punchback would have been, again, wide receivers and Michael Penix Jr. And I thought that's, that's how somebody who kind of coming off the radar would have had to do it. Yeah, so th that's what I was thinking, and, and I still think that Louisville can do that far more than they would be able to be Michigan or Alabama or somebody like that. Uh, and just in terms of accumulated personnel, but I, do, do you still feel that way? With I do hype right now. I do, but I do feel like Louisville's not struggling in the portal in the least. And that there's, there's no reason I think to temper your optimism about next year. Uh, at this point, you and I were talking about preseason, like you're way too early top 25s or whatever. And they're, they are, Way too early because we still have another portal window that I think could probably pretty substantially change teams, especially if with the way quarterback is more than anything else. Uh, and also, after don't, you spring. Think, don't you think that like next session, it, it's got to be tougher to like make your hay at that point if you haven't done your early work. Oh, you're just finishing touches. Right. Like, so if I'm a prime time wide receiver and I still haven't found a place to go and I see, all right, Louisville's really picked it up in the trenches. Their defense is really picked up. They've got a, a quarterback that can really slit. Uh, they got a guy with the nickname Bus coming in, which I just can't be more excited about. I know you're, you're a guy who's delayed on giving the nicknames out. They got to they got to prove it. I don't know if you feel that way about Bus coming in here, but I'm not even gonna call him Baby Bus. Just Bus. You don't have to baby. I mean, like I don't have to be. Not that my nickname was Skywalker, but that's my social media. Sure. I wouldn't be Baby Skywalker. Like, right. You don't have to do that. He's just Bus. Baby Skywalker is like Baby Yoda was super popular though. Yeah, Baby Skywalker doesn't have the same. That's right. Punch to it, does it? No, I mean, he's he's gonna be Bus, and uh, I'm so excited about the pieces they put together, man. And I think, like I said, if you've done your early work and you've created this hype and you get to sell, hey, number one, you kind of know what your NIL budget looks like at that point and how much you got left. You probably raise a little bit more money from here to there because you have some hype coming. And then you think, man, these last few pieces, we only need a few. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think coaches have to, especially the Louisville's, the non-traditional powers who are trying who who are trying to use the portal for more than the big boys who are just going to dominate high school recruiting and continue to. Yeah. Uh, or like this window that just closed is for volume, and then this window that opens up after spring is for finishing touches and fine tuning. And, you hope that that's the ideal way, right? If if you have expectations, like you need to have the majority of that team put together now, and then when you get to spring, you sort of do that honest self evaluation of the team here and say, where do we need to be better than we are even right now? And Louisville did that last year. At the end of spring, they still brought in Harrison Bailey and Brady Allen, and multiple offensive linemen and, and defensive backs to buttress things, and it. It helped. It made a, it was it made a big difference, and I think you'll see them do exactly the same thing. And if you're Jeff Brom, I think at this point you're going to get through. You're going to go through spring now, and at the end, probably try to identify a pretty prime pass rusher and wide receiver, and be like, we are ready for to do this again next year. Is that it? 
maybe maybe an inside linebacker. It's so tough for me to like keep track of sure uh, all of the ins and outs of portal work. It seems like I haven't refreshed Twitter every twenty minutes to try and find the, you know who's next, but that's all you feel like we need, huh? I mean, you, you're I'm, I'm giving you uh, credit here that you're you're a lot more in depth with what's been going on than I am. That's pretty unbelievable. And like I said, it doing your work early. Number one, it should allow you to raise a little bit more NIL money, and then you just have a couple finishing touches and pieces to the puzzle here. What I wonder is, like, if you do it that way, and, like, let's say this last wide receiver comes in here and he's making more than everybody else, if that creates the locker room rift, if these guys talk about amongst themselves how much money each other's making. Like, everybody wants it above board, but I don't, like, you know, in the workplace. Yeah, you don't know how much people make. That's an interesting concept with college sports and it being a, a public university and just oh, some of it's not. The a, model is so contradictory. It is. In a million ways. Sometimes we expect them to be all thoroughly professional and they're just kids. Oh, and by the way, they're also in school. And we're supposed to also care about that part. I mean, the whole model is insane. It's how did we ever get here? Right. But we are looking at like not a way too early top 25s kind of across the country. Uh, 24-7, uh, I saw what uh, Yahoo had theirs, On3 had theirs, and you got individuals that have spit out a few. Louisville's in all of them it, to one extent or another. I think I think the highest I saw was in 19 uh, in one of them. Does that jive with you? Does that make sense? I, I get it, and I, I think at least a, a part of it is just general respect for Jeff Brom. They're going to be good. Part of it's a recognition of what they've done in the portal again. And they are still bringing back some pretty substantial pieces from last year. That's why, like, I'm, I'm not upset, but I would have expected one or two of these to reach even further than that. A little better than 19. I mean, look at where Louisville finished. They finished 19. You know, you, if you're talking about an upgrade in a lot of different positions – I mean, like we said earlier, and it could have been off uh, during the break there, but Louisville's schedule is tougher. It, it won't, it'll be more difficult to kind of get off to that hot start, but at the same time, if they're better, why not rank them even higher than that? The schedule is part of it. But you right now you're number one, number two with transfer portal class? Yeah, two, one or two, yeah. Oh, Ole Miss is kind of killing it, killing it. But, yeah, I, I – I get the optimism. I think it's a, it's a little riskier than a year ago where Jack Plummer was safe uh, for the most part. You know, he was – but he it was a specific goal with him. I think Tyler Shuck is more uh, explosive, but he's riskier in terms of durability. And he doesn't know the offense like Jack Plummer did. That matters. I mean – I understand it, it matters, but there are so many new pieces. There are so many new variables. Like the offense isn't the same as the exact same as they ran at Purdue. And all right. those guys had to pick up on that. It's I think it's so much more about getting there and developing the chemistry and finding that Jamari Thrash Plumber kind of connection where, hey, this is a go to that can that can exploit anybody. And then how do you build the pieces around that? Like this year, you had a dominant running back, you had a dominant wide receiver, a great connection there. And the rest kind of filled in the gaps, but it wasn't, you know, it, I didn't feel like it was Washington to the degree we got three great receivers out here that are they're going to be able to all do damage. If anything, like the receiving core as a whole just wasn't, it was Jamari Thrash and it was a bunch of guys kind of way down here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This tells me the way they're recruiting and again, doing your work early, my hope is that the, it's not just one wide receiver that kind of breaks out. It's a core and then it's not, one running back, although, I, I mean, if Bus gets the majority of the carries, great. But, you know, I, I think there's still so much that has to play out. But I think that – I don't know. I've gone back and forth if the camaraderie with Plummer and Brom meant all that much, especially, you know, you go play a different system for a couple years. It's all new habits. You're doing all different things. I think, I think it's a little – I think we overvalued that a little bit. Texture says, we finished 19th, lost the quarterback, top two running backs, top two wide receivers, and have a harder schedule. I think preseason 19 is showing respect. That's fair. That's fair. Um, you brought in a quarterback that, you know, it, he only spent one year here. 
So you're, you're bringing in another new quarterback. It's kind of the same thing. Um, if you are upgrading at multiple positions, like a wide receiver core, I don't know if you'll have a guy who plays better than Jamari Thrash did. He had an awesome year. Um, and then you're, you're bringing in a guy who on paper, I mean, he could put up some crazy numbers running the ball. Bus, you're better in the trenches. Defensively, you're starting to pick up some crazy pass rushers and some guys in the secondary to really bolster that defense. And you just said, how many pieces do we need out of the portal in that, that second session? I'm just saying, I'm, I'm a little shocked that there isn't somebody who reached a little bit more and said the next step for Brahm is even better than finishing 19th. These guys could be, you know, around 10th. I don't think there's much, there's a great case for that right now. But I, I certainly think you're going to get people. Maybe I'm too excited. It could be. That's fine. But you're going to get people that project that sort of thing. I mean, I think Louisville's going to get uh, a Brom bonus in most people's minds. Pe he's one of those coaches that is associated with overachieving. You know, the, the, whatever a team would be under a, just a, a, the averagest of coaches, they're going to times, you know, 1.3 or whatever. They're, you know, they're going to. People are going to assume they'll be a little better than that. Uh, and Louisville needs a coach like that. That's exactly how Louisville succeeds and has succeeded in its entire football history is by having coaches that raise the profile of, of everybody. I just love the fact that they have the resources. This seems very organized. It does. It seems like they have a plan and are not uh, – there's not the, the least bit complacency in any of this like hey this was a great year 10 and 4 not nearly as good as it needs to be let's address these positions and instead like we're not just we'll just ride it out with whatever nope if we can get somebody we're going to get them and it also seemed like they weren't afraid to shoot towards the top like at all these position groups you're finding guys you know not settling on anybody it certainly doesn't feel that way it feels like hey this is my list of guys that we're going to go after at you know dn and we're going to go get the best and they went out there and accomplished it. They got it done. Yeah, and look, I'm not celebrating moral victories or anything like that, but I did Don't you dare. Point, <laughs> I did point uh, in this discussion with Louie uh, a little bit earlier uh, today. You know, they're in the right circles, I think. You know, they were in it for DJU for a while, and he ends up going to Florida State, who's been extremely aggressive, you know, in the portal. Uh, they were in it for Jalen Lucas, who ends up at Florida State. But, like, Florida State's having to beat Louisville for some of the guys they want. I mean, just that's where, to what that's you, where you want to be. Yeah, listen to what you just said. It's between Florida State and Louisville. And it's, and it's not all Florida State. Like, Louisville's getting guys that at certain positions are ranked higher. Yeah. That's incredible air to be. I mean, and Florida State did try to get Boone to visit them. And Louisville was able to pull that off. And a number of others uh, did. And you had uh, both of the yeah, – the tennis – the – kid that was heading to Ole Miss from Tennessee, Louisville's able to get involved there, you know, and flip him. Uh, that's where I think Louisville has never, I don't think fans have ever expected the coach to like on a regular basis, be able to beat those schools for everybody, but here and there. Yeah. I'll take that. Heck yeah. Um, in your eyes, if you're coaching, are you a coach that really sells NIL? Are you a coach that wants to use the resources and kind of distance yourself from NIL? And, and the reason I bring that up is, you know, Coach Laranaga and talking to him in spring meetings and then kind of the way things have unfolded with Miami the last few years, they've done really well, you know, attracting talent through the portal. Um, NIL is a part of that to some degree. I don't know even to what degree, but it is a part of that. And Coach L distances himself big time. You do whatever you want, but from two to five, you're mine. Yeah. And I, I just wonder, like, I don't know if you've heard that much about Brahm's approach or how you feel about it. You know, part of me thinks that, like, if you're on the, the front edge of that and you're saying, hey, we've got the best NIL and we can work on this deal and that deal, that that would be a selling point. But also, like, it's a football coach. Kind of wanted to just focus on football and then have that infrastructure around him. And I know U of L has a great infrastructure. Does that make sense? That uh, I yeah, I think I understand what you're asking. And I don't think I want I would ever want my coach like in the NIL weeds, right? I think so too. Uh, and I think if I'm a coach, like my no matter what the sport is, but for football and basketball, where it's just easier to talk about what it's like at the next level and replicate that or, or whatever. 
that would be my whole shtick is you can come get a taste of what it's like in the pros right now. And the coaches don't work out the contracts on the pros either. Right. Uh, I, but if I, I, I'm like Dan Furman's gonna be my best friend if I'm the football coach and damn it, if we need somebody, you better get it done, but I'm dealing with him. And then I'm going to be a great football coach and have you ready for the next level. And the scouts are going to be here and we're going to turn the games on, on Sunday and see guys. I used to coach there, but I'm not working out your deal with whatever Tom Drexler. Right. You know, I'm not doing that. Right. Uh, but when I'm on the recruiting trail, I am going to be like, we get, we'll get you taken care of. Our guys don't suffer. I got a guy. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And that, that you're right. That relationship with Dan Furman, you know, whoever's heading the collective, I know it is Dan, but around the country is what I mean. That relationship just has to be so tight. You got to have an unbelievable amount of trust in that crew. You have to work together. Yeah. That's really impressive. Well, and I don't know how you can expect that apparatus to go to work for you. If you aren't interested in working with them, like, I'm sure it's pretty easy for Dan to call somebody up and get a check when Jeff is great. And it's probably not easy to do that for Kenny at all. And, and that's, that's where the coach's responsibility is, is like, you've got to be on board. You've got to be a team player with that stuff or else they're not going to be able to help you because how do you motivate anybody to sort of come off some money for you if they don't know you? Yeah, and it's also coaching philosophy, right? Like there, yeah. there are a lot of coaches who have basically shied away from embracing NIL, and I, I think it's becoming. less I would less, fire those coaches. Yeah, right. I think it's becoming <laughs> less less. No, nobody saw you me time for that. talking about that fading away there, but uh, or, or my hand gestures there about those coaches kind of fading into the into the background. But it, it seems to me this is the game, and if you're a coach that's trying to you know hold fast in the old ways. You're going to struggle, and you know to that point, you've seen a lot of the the older coaches who have built it a different way and been involved in college basketball for a long time in a, in basically a totally different world, that are retiring or certainly showing their frustrations like Tom Izzo. Uh, and I have a ton of respect for those coaches, but the game is changing, the environment's changing, the whole world of college sports is is totally different. So you got to be able to say, you know, we got to go find the best players, and there are very few freshmen that will come in and compete versus 23-year-old grizzled portal guys. The difference is you probably got to pay those portal guys more money now because of just the day and age of college sports. Got to embrace it in my eyes. Yeah, if I'm an AD, like for instance, we'll talk in the four o'clock hour uh, about coaches and coaching candidates, which we're going to have to talk about probably you know a lot. But like the interview process, you know, NIL was conceptual largely, even when just a couple of years ago, we certainly didn't know nearly as much about it and just have as much experience with it as we do now. Like I'm, I would have to think like that's a large part of whatever it is that they'll be looking for with the next coach. You better, there better be no questions about willingness or understanding of it or any of that sort of thing. Like if, if there's an ounce of hesitation, just on to the next one. Yeah. You just can't do it. Um, but even because like nobody can. Well, to give KP credit, like I know it's been recent, but he's talked about like we're a few transfer portal pieces away. And I think that's the best of both worlds. When you have guys that can come up through your program and be culture builders yeah. and, you know, full buy-in with a coach, give you your credit here, Steve Forbes. Mm. You go hit the portal and you go get a Hunter Salas and a Boopy Miller and an Efton, Efton Reed. Reed yep. And then you have guys like Aaron Carr and Cam Hildreth and you start to piece it all together like that, to me, those are the best teams in the country right now. All right, we'll take a quick break here, and we'll talk about a couple of people who have been mentioned as possible candidates here uh, and different uh, storylines associated with those. Get your thoughts on some of that. We'll take your calls, your texture throughout on the drive on at the end of the bill. Be right back.